Good morning, Allshore. So glad you're here with us this morning. I just pray that today is a meaningful day for you as we gather together to worship our amazing God. I want to invite you to stand with us. And we're just going to center ourselves on King Jesus this morning, the fact that Jesus brings each one of us new life and new resurrection. So let's join together in song this morning, just celebrating who he is today. No longer I who live, but Christ in me. For I've been born again, my heart is free. The hope of heaven before me, the great behind. Hallelujah, you brought me back to life. I won't forget the moment I heard you call my name Out of the grip of darkness Into the light of grace Just like Lazarus Oh, you brought me back to life Where there was dead religion Now there is living faith of my hope and freedom I found in Jesus' name Just like Lazarus Oh, you brought me back tonight We're gonna sing that chorus again No longer I oh, No longer I live But Christ in me For I've been born Something says I'm not worthy. I'll point to that empty grave. Just like Lazarus, oh, you brought me back to life. No longer I who live, but Christ in me. For I've been born again. My heart is free. The hope of Just to fully praise you, it would take all eternity, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. You brought me back to life. You
Oh God, we rest in that today, Lord, our identity as your sons and your daughters. Lord, that even though the enemy may whisper lies in our ears, things that make us question or doubt ourselves, God, we lean into the truth that you love us fully. God, that you welcome us into your family. God, we receive that today. Oh, the enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus... Come on, declare this over your life today. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. The enemy just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Every dark addiction starts to break, declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus, because your name is power, your name is healing, your name is love. Every soul held captive. 
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, oh, shout Jesus from the mountains, and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my Jesus, come. Come and speak your truths over each heartbeat. 
each mind. Show them who you are. Show us all who you are. This is a house of a place of praise where every demon trembles where we proclaim your name this is a house of
He also wants to meet with us together in this place corporately as one church. And my prayer is that whatever you've come in with today, that you experience first and foremost just God's love for you. Also recognize that each one of us bring things into this room. Each one of us have things we're praying for, believing for, maybe places in our lives where we're waiting for God to move, that we have been praying for. We haven't seen it yet, but we need to lean in with our faith and trust that Holy Spirit wants to be present with us, that he wants to answer our very prayers. You know, I'm encouraged by scripture that teaches that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for each and every one of us. That his work wasn't just finished at the cross and he moved on, but that he continues to work in our lives daily through the power of his spirit. That being said, if you have a need today, I wanna to invite you to grab a seat. We're gonna take some time in service to pray over you as a family, as a church. And, and for those around, if you wanna just extend hands, you wanna lay hands on, on those sitting, but we're gonna take time in service to pray over our fellow believers today. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather into this place to lift up your holy name. God, first and foremost, we want our hearts to be centered on the why that we are here, God, and that is to not forget, first and foremost, what you have done for us, the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross. God, we are thankful for that today. We celebrate the new life and the resurrection that you give, but God, we also recognize that until eternity comes, Lord, we still live in a place of tension between what we want and what we're living in, God, that there are places in our lives, God, where we're feeling brokenness, we're feeling pain, we're feeling lack, God, we ask in Jesus' name that you would minister to each one of us, God, by the power of your spirit. If there's a healing we're seeking, God, would you minister to that place? If it's a place of provision, God, we choose to trust, God, that you hold our future in the very palm of your hand. So, God, I don't know the unique needs represented in this room, but you do, God. And so I just pray the peace of your Holy Spirit, the peace that passes all understanding, God, that you would minister as we need. Lord, we not only pray for ourselves today, God, but we think of the work that you are doing globally through your missionaries and through your pastors, God. We think of the Ethiopia Care Point today. We're grateful, Lord, that it's a place where people can experience the love of God, the tangible love of God through actions and through sharing, God, and through caring. God, we pray that you would continue to bless the work that's happening in that country. God, we also think of Radiant Lakeshore, God, a, a brand new church in, in Grand Haven, a new launch today as they're celebrating uh, being together. And, and there's baptisms, God, that are happening. I just pray, God, that you would be present in their midst today, God, that you would be with their pastor, John, God, that he would sense your spirit in their very midst, God, and that they would have lots to celebrate today. Lord, for the things that we prayed for, for the things we may have missed this morning, I just pray, God, that you would meet us in every place. We give you thanks and praise for the opportunity to be here. And we all said in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and find your seat. We have not had the opportunity 
to meet. Uh, I'm so glad that I get to worship with you all today. My name is Carter, and I serve as our worship pastor, just really infusing the heart of worship into all three of our campuses, and I do that uh, by meeting regularly with our campus worship leaders and just pouring into them, making sure that they're digging deep wells of being with God, that it's not just what we do for him, but God desires us to live a lifestyle of daily engaging with him, and I love to be a champion for that. If you're new here, we're so glad that you're here, and maybe this is uh, your first time in a long time. We're glad that you're here, too. Our prayer is that through the worship, through the message, every part of the service today, that you just sense God inviting you to draw closer to him, that everything we do is centered around Jesus Christ and glorifying his name. And so if you're looking for ways to connect, we have a connection booth out in the lobby that you can find more information about our ministries, how you can get plugged in. There's a gift if it's your first time here that we want to give to each and every of you. Uh, I also want to encourage, you know, there's a connection card you can fill out. QR code on the screen behind me, also in the seat back in front of you. Great way to learn about next steps and how you can get plugged in here. Uh, this is also the time of service where we just honor God through our giving. We continue our worship recognizing that everything we have comes from the Lord in the first place that God blesses us beyond our wildest imaginations, that he provides for our very need. And so with hearts of thankfulness, we give back to him. And that's through our serving, but it's also through our financial giving. That, let's be honest, the nuts and bolts of the ministry can't happen without your financial help. And so we thank you for partnering with us in the ministry that we're doing not only in this community, but around the world. We have a lot of great things planned today, but first, I want you to turn your eyes to the screen. We have an important announcement about the journey. Hey church, today is the fourth Sunday of the month, which means it is step four of the journey. If you don't know what the journey is, the journey is the best next step from one of our services to moving deeper into the life of our church. Maybe you wanna know more about All Shores, or maybe you have questions, or maybe you want to get plugged in. Steps one through three, which happened earlier in the month, can be taken in any order. Step four is unique in that we kind of suggest that you complete all three steps prior to that before plugging in. And so if that's not you, if you haven't attended the journey before or if you haven't completed all three steps before it, my encouragement to you is look to next month. Step one will start the first Sunday of next month to start the journey process again. We want every single person in our church to get plugged in in some way that our church will miss out without you finding your sweet spot. And so let us know what you need. We'd love to help you get plugged in. Ask any member of our team when the journey is happening or how you can plug in.
Well, again, I'm so glad that we get to engage in this day together. Uh, this is our ministry highlight, which we have been taking the last month and a half or so and just featuring different ministries on different Sundays. And I have the privilege of getting to talk about our worship arts team, which is worship, production, and communications. And this is a great team just to really be creative and to express our gifts. And I could go on and on about all the great things I love about our team, but I thought it might be more compelling for you to hear from two young men who were motivated to serve. Watch this clip. Riley, Stephen, I'm so glad that you're here today. I just wanted to have a little chat with you. So what, are you leaving the church or something? Uh, no. Uh, I've noticed that on Sundays you're out in the lobby and oftentimes you're just standing around during service. Uh, you're on your phones, I don't know, playing games or on social media, and you're just really not plugged in to serving. Well, yeah, I mean, I have to come with my family to church every Sunday uh, when I don't really want to. Um, I don't really have a lot of other time to scroll on my phone and catch up with things. Well... <laughs> I don't want to come down on you as your pastor. Uh, I know how that feels and uh, as we're friends. But uh, I had this idea that we would bring in a motivational speaker, you know, one of those guys who speaks to large schools and churches, uh, to talk with you about serving. What, to talk with us? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, 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 no, 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 guys. Have a seat. Uh, this set the church back a few bucks. Uh, the, the speaker, is his name is Matt Foley, and he's been in the basement for the last four hours drinking coffee and getting ready. So let me just go grab him. Hey, Matt, Matt, we're ready for you. So his speech is, is called Go For It, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this, but kind of give him that large crowd feel. All righty then, how's everyone doing? Good, good, good. Now, as that probably told you, my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. Let's get started by me giving you a bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by Grand River. Now, you are probably saying to yourself, hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get the world by the tail, wrap it around, pull it down, and put it in my pocket. Well, I'm here to tell you, you'll probably find out as you go out there that you're not going to amount to Dak Squaw. <laughs> you're going to end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. <laughs> Young man, what do you want to do with your life? Well, actually, Matt, I, I really want to be a videographer. Well, whoop-dee-doo, we got ourselves a videographer. And I can't see so good. Is that Steven Spielberg over there? Well, actually, Matt, uh, I've encouraged him to use his skills in this way. Matt, I wish you'd shut your big yapper! <laughs> oh, Riley, what I hear, you haven't been using your skills for serving, but for scrolling on your phone. You're going to do a lot of that when you're living in a van down by the river. Oh, man, what do you want to do with your life? I want to live in a van down by the river. You'll have plenty of time for living in a van down by the river when you're living in a van down by the river. 
the way I see it, there can only be one solution. You might be saying to yourselves, how do we get back on that right track? I think I need to go sign us up at the connection point to serve. We can be on the production team together. We'll be best buds, we'll be pals. We'll just wrestle around on Sunday mornings in this production booth. It'll be a great time. I, 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 I could be your shadow. You're serving over here, I'm serving over here. Serving over there, I'm serving. Oh, oh, it's easy. Oh, oh, it's easy. My goodness. We'll have to clean that up later. Me and my buddies, my pals, amigos, we'll sign us up. Oh, wait, you don't have to do that. No, no, Matt, that's okay. We can do it ourselves. So you could see that was a real-life story, right? Two young men who have really been doing a lot for our church, so I'm really grateful for them. But I think the gist is, you know, we have a lot of fun uh, with worship arts, and we just use our gifts to, to serve the Lord, to serve you all, to serve our community. And so if you have uh, gifts, it can be anything, really. If you're an artist, you're a photographer, videography, you love to play an instrument, whatever it is, we'd love to talk with you today. There's information out in the lobby. We've got a booth set up. So, so grateful that we had this time together. And uh, don't make me sick Matt Foley on all of you. He may come back sometime. Anyway, turn your eyes to the screen for our sermon bumper this week. Well, good morning again, and welcome to our Spring Lake campus. Uh, want to welcome those who are joining us online. We have uh, preachers, live preachers at both of our other campuses this morning. So Pastor Josh will be out in Coopersville, and Pastor Amy is in Muskegon today. But I'm glad that you guys are here, and we are in week three of our series, Keeping Up With. And what is culture and that desire to be something more, what does that do to us? Uh, in our souls? What does that do to us spiritually? How does that affect us? And if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, we've dealt with the issue of identity and we've dealt with the issue of greed. Today we deal with the issue of acceptance and how 
uh, we measure up to others. But before we begin, um, we've got some special guests who are with us today. And so if you've been around All Shores, you know that we have many global partners, uh, Wesleyan missionaries around the world. We can't put their photos up. There's reasons for that. They happen to be in the Turkic Arabic field serving in Azerbaijan. But uh, we have the family. They're back here. Yeah, hands up right over here. Uh, this is the first time they've been with us for worship. And everybody applauded before I even asked them to, but they've been serving in Azerbaijan for 20 years doing church planting work, and it's a very hard place to be. And so we just appreciate what you guys do and our partnership with you, and just know that we are praying for you and support you guys in this. And I would love for you guys to meet them after the service. Uh, they'll be out at our global connection area um, after the service, and so get to, get to know them a little bit more and what they're doing. Um, and I want to say thank you because I realized this morning I opened up my phone to my calendar and uh, it, it popped up that today is uh, my anniversary of 11 years at All Shores. And uh, yeah, but I just, want, I just want to tell you like how much my wife and I appreciate the church and who you guys all are. I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and just love the ministry that All Shores has. And so, yeah, just want to say thank you for that. But as we get into the Word today, we're going to land in Acts chapter 5. And uh, someone told me after first hour that they either didn't remember the story, had never heard the story. So this might be new for you. For others who have been around a while, this is, uh, this is a story you'll be like, I, I don't hear this preached about very often. So we're going to land in Acts chapter 5 today, but before we do, we just want to pray and ask God to bless his word. Let's pray. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. And so, God, we, we just thank you that the same Holy Spirit that inspired these words that Luke wrote for us of the story of the early church is the same spirit that is here with us today that can make this text come alive for whatever we're dealing with, each one of us. And Lord, if there's anything that's of me, it would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever is of you today, I pray that it would stick, that it would correct us, that it would challenge us, that it would change us, that we might be more like Christ. And we pray this in your name. And everyone said, amen. Well, I don't want to brag or anything this morning, but uh, I'm on Facebook. No applause? Okay. Uh, I know it's hard to get on Facebook, but uh, I have been a member since 2005. Yeah, a year after it launched. So thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, for that. Uh, I realized that I had spent more time in ministry with, the, with Facebook than I did without it. But I happened to be looking over this last week when I joined Facebook in those early days in 2005. And what was going on? And I scrolled through uh, the earliest photos, and some things haven't changed. There was pictures of Starbucks coffee, pictures of my motorcycle, and pictures of my family. And I thought, yep, that's me. So, um, but I, as I was scrolling through there in 2005, I realized that there were some other things going on in my life at the time that doesn't show up on Facebook. Everything in my life at the time that was being posted that people could comment on were things that I wanted people to see. 
But what they didn't see, what isn't on there, is the struggle that my wife and I were going through when it came to our church. It was a dark season for us. We had been at a church for seven years. We had planted the church, which was difficult to begin with. It started without anyone in the community. And we had grown, had purchased a theater. We, we were doing all kinds of ministry in the area. But we were struggling. There were people who were leaving the church over issues. One of those issues was I didn't send a birthday card to the individual. And so they were done with the church and done with us. Um, there were other reasons for them leaving. And I was at a place where I was ready to leave and not do ministry anymore and just walk away from it all. And uh, that doesn't show up. Interesting, huh? I don't know if that's true for you, but sometimes we portray things to other people to, to act as though we are doing okay or that we are better off than what we really are. But behind the scenes, it's not, it's not who we are. And, and it might not be that you are struggling with something. I'm not really sure that Facebook is the place to post that anyway, right? But would there, there would be a place where we could be ourselves, where we could be accepted for who we are, where we wouldn't have to feel the pressure of trying to be something in front of others in our culture. Would that there would be a place where we could be together because life is messy. And I know that you and I hope that the church is one of those places for us. That's our tagline for all shores, together because life is messy. And for many of you, it has become that place. But I don't know if you are the type of person that portrays either through social media or even just in your life or your lifestyle, you portray something before others that isn't realistic for you. you our culture adds to that, right? It's the culture of measuring up, whether it's keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with the Kardashians. We want to look better than we really are. We want to look happier than we really are. We want to look more generous than we really are. Sometimes we want to look more spiritual than we really are. And I'll just say, just because there's a picture of your Bible with a cup of coffee on Facebook doesn't mean that you've read it or are following what you read. But there is this pressure to be accepted by those who are around us, to seek their applause, to seek, to seek their joy for who we are when deep down inside we're portraying something else. Social media has taken this idea, this pressure in our culture to a whole different level. And uh, this last year I, I saw a story, uh, ABC News did a story on an individual named Kelsey Turner who was a former model and social media influencer who pretended to be something that she wasn't. And in her persona, she, she posted images of, of nice homes and cars while she was traveling. And all the while, none of it was realistic. It was all being funded by a friend of hers, a psychiatrist named Dr. Burchard, while she was living broke in Vegas. And she kept asking him for more and more money, and he was sending it to her. And finally, he got to the point where he didn't want to give any more money. He was done. And so he went to go tell her that his funding was going to be over. And when he did, her and her accomplice, well, they battered him to death and buried him out in the desert. And now she's spending the next 25 years at least in prison. 
And you might say, well, Pastor Thad, that, that's extreme. I don't think any of us are at a place right now where our desire to be accepted, uh, to be an influencer, to be on social media, to seek the applause of others, that, that that is going to lead us to death. Maybe not physically. But we all have experienced when we are deceptive before others and they find out that there is a death of a job because we lied on a resume that there is a death to a relationship because we've been living two different lives, that there is an emotional death that takes place in our souls because we keep trying to be someone we're not. And maybe there's a spiritual death that takes place because we separate ourselves from the truth of who God wants us to be. There is a story, however, of a couple in the New Testament they wanted to be influencers. They wanted to be accepted. And because of that, it led to their death. And so if you open up to Acts chapter 5, before we get to the story, the early church, we're told in Acts 4, has begun. Luke tells us, Luke is the author of Acts, he tells us that the Holy Spirit has come, that the Holy Spirit filled 120 believers that, uh, that they went out into the streets, that Peter preached uh, the gospel message about who Jesus was, what he had done for us, and 3,000 people came to Christ, and they were baptized, and the church was just thriving, it was growing. And in Acts chapter 4, Luke tells us that all the believers were of one heart and one mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Josephus, or Joseph, I'm sorry, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That's the end of Acts 4. Now, we've added chapters, right? But when Luke was writing this, this was an ongoing story. But you have to picture the early church is thriving. Things are happening. No one has any need because every now and then, the Holy Spirit would prompt people to take their possessions and sell them or give them to the apostles so that they could meet the needs of everyone. And one individual, more than one, was named Barnabas, but more than one of those individuals came and laid the money at the apostles' feet. We're just told about this one individual, but I'm sure everyone in the community, everyone in the church knew who those people were. This wasn't hidden. Barnabas shows up and he lays all the money. I sold my property. I'm giving it to you guys to distribute. And everybody knows this. You could imagine the culture of the early church. They're, they're seeing these people on Sunday. Oh, Barnabas, you're amazing. What a sacrifice. What a great guy you are that you would take all of this and you would give it to other people's needs might be met. And you can imagine those whose needs were met. Oh, thank you, Barnabas. If it wasn't for you, my family would not have been fed this week, right? All of this praise going out to individuals who have laid the money at the apostles' feet. 
That's the culture that seems to be happening in the church until Acts chapter 5. We're told this. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. We're not told if they were a part of the original 120. We're not told when they joined the church, how long they've been coming, if they were discipled. We just know they sold a piece of property, but this time there's something missing. The scripture leaves out the fact that they were prompted by the Holy Spirit. Now we don't know that for sure, but we do know the end of the story suggests that they were missing something. But maybe they got caught up in this idea. They were in the church and they wanted to look better than what they were. So they sold their piece of property, but here's what they did that was different. With his wife's full knowledge, Ananias kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. With his wife knowing, they they conspired together. They talked about this. I I wonder what that conversation was like. What are people going to think when they find out that we gave all of this to the church? Maybe they'll put a plaque, you know, in a room at the church. Maybe they'll let us sit up front and people will recognize, oh, there's Ananias, there's Sapphira. Their influence in the church, their acceptance, the applause of others. I wonder what kind of conversation that was. But here's the thing. Scriptures tell us in the Old Testament, in Numbers, be sure your sins will find you out. I remember hearing that a lot as I was a child. There's a good reason for that. But Peter comes to Ananias, and the Holy Spirit must have made this known to Peter. He says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. You've kept for yourself. The word in the Greek there um, would be embezzle. You embezzled money that was owed to God and you kept it for yourself. You kept some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? He could have come to the church and said, here's 50%. But he said, here's 100% of what I sold it for. He had kept back. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And that's the point, isn't it? Whenever we deceive someone, it is not just them that we are deceiving. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are acting as though God doesn't know. But when we lie to God, there's a part of us that dies a little. Our relationship with God is broken. I also want you to note that Peter says, you were filled with Satan, not the Holy Spirit. There are two different gods to serve, right? You can serve that human nature, that sin nature, or you can serve the Holy Spirit in his prompting. And Peter suggests that they ignored the Holy Spirit and were prompted by Satan himself which just like Adam and Eve in the garden were deceived by Satan and faced the punishment of leaving the garden and finding death. So Peter tells Ananias, you're going to pay the price. When we lie to God, though, we take on the nature of the enemy. Jesus in John 8 
told his disciples or told the Pharisees this, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When we pretend to be something we aren't for the applause of others, just keep in mind that that temptation is coming from the enemy himself. That we are being less like God and more like the devil whenever we lie and deceive to seek the applause of others, to make ourselves look better. Think about that the next time you go to post something on social media that just is a little bit better than reality. When Peter confronts Ananias, though, it says, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. You would think that that would be enough, right? It says great fear seized. People were wondering, what in the world is God doing? They had seen some powerful miracles. Everything was going great. And then this. But there's more to the story. Three hours later, Sapphira shows up, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price? Is this, uh, I've got the record here. Is this the price that you paid, you and Ananias got for the land? She could have in that moment. She could have said, well, not, not exactly. But she was committed. Her and her husband had this all laid out. Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire? The word in the Greek is symphoneo, which is where we get our idea of a symphony, all these different parts coming together for one piece. Her and Ananias had done all of these things, all of these lies to come together to conspire to make themselves look better, to seek the applause of the church. He says, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. Just like Adam and Eve, they faced the consequences. In Adam and Eve, it was that early it was the creation of the world. It was when God was bringing something new and they were the first ones to commit this sin and so they paid the price. They became the example. This was the early church, the creation of the early church. And Ananias and Sapphira, because of their sin, became an example. At that moment, she fell down his feet. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear sees the whole church and all who heard about these events. Yeah, I would think so. I can't imagine being in the early church not knowing much about God and what happens, and then you find out that someone gave an offering and they were killed because they lied about it. I imagine the sin quotient went down that week. I imagine people were telling the truth a little bit more that week, kind of wondering, what's God going to do next? But scholars believe, and, and I think theologically, there are times in the scripture where God doesn't just punish us right on the spot. 
But he allows these things to happen to set an example, especially when there is something that God is doing to create this movement. And so for Adam and Eve, it was leaving the garden. In the Old Testament, when they designed the tabernacle and they were offering, uh, they, were, they were putting offerings on the altar, Nadab and Abihu were told were two young men who the scriptures say put useless fires on the altar. They could have cared less. Eh, it doesn't have to be a perfect lamb. It doesn't have to be the way God wants it. I'm just going to give them whatever. And they lay that offering and God does not accept it and he condemns them and they are put to death. In Joshua chapter 7, as the Israelites are entering into the promised land, and again, it's the beginning. God is setting up his people to live in the promised land the way that he wanted them to live. And in Joshua chapter 7, they go in to attack Jericho. And God tells them, I want you to give everything, that offering, I want you to give it to me. This is a way, this is an example. And several of the Israelites are killed. And they find out later that Achan... Achan is a man that he and his family knew full knowledge, had kept back some of what was God's. And they buried it in their tent. And when they are found out, they are put to death. And then all of a sudden, God's people thrive again. There is something about that example. And in the early church and in this movement, God wants us to know that there is something about the church that God desires us to be open and to be honest and to give him what he deserves and that we should not seek the applause of others, but we should seek his applause only. Seek the applause of one, not one another. It's one of the lessons that we can take away from this text, that God wants us to worship him and to worship him alone, that God doesn't want us to live our lives trying to be something in front of others that we're not. He wants us to be authentic before him and before others. And for those of you who are younger, it's this desire that you have to be liked on social media, to have the influence, to grow in those friends and numbers. Stats tell us that uh, 20% of high school students believe that social media will make them more popular. For some of us, it's climbing that ladder at work, right? It's doing things uh, in our business where we say something a little bit different on our resume that, than it is reality. Maybe we leave out that job that we got fired at. Maybe it's taking credit for things that other people have done. For others, it's choosing what you purchase or how you spend your money based on what is going to be acceptable for others. Oh, they're going to really like this. They're going to want to be more like me. Whether you recognize it or not, you make those decisions based on other people's applause. And this can be true in the church as well. We've seen how God has used other examples of people who have deceived or have used the church as a means to try to look better. There are documentaries on Hillsong, New York. There are podcasts on the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Just 15 years ago, one of the fastest and largest churches in the United States no longer exists today because of the deception that was going on behind the scenes, the lives that were destroyed, the deaths of relationships that happened because they were trying to be something that they're not. And again, would that there would be a place where we could be honest about our lives and what's going on in us. 
whether there would be a group of people that were not trying to be somebody else around, no pressure to measure up, to look good, or to pretend to be someone we're not. Would that there would be a place where we could be together because life is messy. We hope, we pray that the church, that this church would be one of those places. People finding hope and help, being authentic and honest about their struggles. And we have had that. Several years ago, there was a couple in our church who they were trying to measure up to their neighbors around them and measure up to the, the culture and they were going into debt trying to live this perfect life and look happier than they were and they were struggling. They finally let others in in their group, let them know our church came alongside. There's financial ministries that we offer and they, over the years, got back out of debt and now are in a place right now where they give generously all the time. And they found that because they were honest and confessed, hey, we are trying to measure up and it's destroying us. We've had marriages do the same thing. People portraying on Facebook, social media, uh, before others, that they have this perfect relationship when behind closed doors, they didn't. But they didn't want anybody to know and yet it was in a group with trusted people around them I'm not encouraging you to join a group and then just confess all your sins this week. But in a group with people that they had relationship with, they were able to open up and say, this is who we really are. And because of that, they found hope and help and restoration, and their marriage is so much better now than it was before. And it's because they were authentic and honest before others, not trying to measure up, which is a lie. One of our core values at All Shores is authenticity. And it's not because we think it's a cool word or that our church will be more relevant. It's because we believe that there is something deeply rooted in the body of Christ to be open and honest about each other's spiritual lives and where we're at. Ananias and Sapphira found that out. I don't know what it looks like for you. What does it look like for you to quit pretending? Is it the image that you're portraying before others? Is it social media? Is it to, to be better off at work and to make people think that you are smarter? I, I don't know what that is for you. But I imagine that for each of us, there is something that we wrestle with on a weekly basis where we are trying to look better than we are, happier than we are, more generous than we are, more spiritual than we are. And we are buying into the lie that it is better to be accepted by others when really all we need to do is seek the applause of one. How freeing, let's be honest, how freeing would it be for you to lay your head down every night? No matter what happened during the day, what comments were made, and just simply hear from your Heavenly Father, man, I'm proud of you. Man, you did it today. How freeing to know that all you need to do is seek his applause. There is freedom that comes from that. When we seek his direction, when we are prompted by his spirit and not by our culture. That's what we desire. 
Now, we're going to pray a prayer that we prayed last week together because it's a prayer of surrender to say, okay, God, this is the life that I want. I want to seek your applause, and I want whatever you want me to have, whether I have a lot or little. I just want you. And so we're going to pray that prayer together, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer where I'm just going to let us sit for a minute while you pray and talk to God about what is that area in your life that you need to surrender, that you need to quit doing, that you need to confess before Him first and then before others to take that next step where you are seeking His applause and His applause only. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with who you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or lay aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Why don't you just sit for a moment and and just ask the Holy Spirit to prompt you on what that next step is for you. Father God, we admit that, uh, that there are times when because of the culture we're in, we are seeking praise from others. We are seeking that applause from people around us. And that drives us to do things that are not God-honoring. There's a temptation to be deceptive in our behavior, in our appearance, in order to make ourselves feel better, look better, And ultimately, Lord, we just simply want to be people who honor you with all that we do. So, Lord, whatever that is for us, we just, just as Barnabas did, we lay it at your feet. We we just simply say, God, whatever I have, I give to you to use. And help us to find the freedom that comes from just following your spirit, listening to you and being obedient each day, that we would hear from you each and every day that we have been faithful to you. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna close out our service with communion and if you are a guest with us, we do this each week. The scriptures tell us when Jesus met with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, that he encouraged them. One text says, do this often or as often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. So when we come together as a church, we remember that we are together, not because of how amazing we are, but because of what Jesus has done for us and his grace that has been poured out over our lives, that he has forgiven us of our sins. He's made us new in Christ. And so when you walked in, you received a cup. And uh, there's two layers to it. The top layer, you'll peel back, you'll receive the bread. The second layer uh, is the juice. And if you're 
not a member of our church, if you're here visiting, if you're not a member, of the, you don't have to be a member of our denomination. We just simply ask that if you are pursuing that relationship honestly and authentic, authentically with Christ, that we want you to receive this today. Seek his face. Seek his applause as you receive this today. On the night that he was betrayed, the scriptures tell us that Jesus took the bread, which was unleavened, without yeast. It represented without sin, the Bible says. And Jesus himself, who was without sin, took the bread, he broke it, gave thanks, and he said to his disciples and to you and I today, take and eat in remembrance. Then taking the cup, he said, this is the blood of a new covenant. Not the old Old Testament covenant. Not the blood of a lamb that was shed and poured out over the doors so that God would pass over your sin. But this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. A forgiveness that is eternal. A forgiveness that we can count on every day as we approach him. Authentically, let us take and drink in remembrance. Lord, we thank you for what you have done for each and every one of us. That even though we do not deserve your grace, you give it freely. Lord, you love us for who we are. I pray that we would just, we would rest in that. That we would find the same joy in ourselves that you find in us. And the same freedom we have in Christ, we would have that freedom before others to just simply be who we were created to be in Christ Jesus, in your name, amen. I'm gonna ask you all to stand. We're gonna close out with some worship.
Another reason for us to just seek his applause. He never fails us. This culture, others' applause, it'll come and go, but his is always there. So may you seek his applause this week. Uh, and come back next week as we close out the series. And we have baptisms for both services next week. So you want to come back to celebrate life change that is happening in our church. Once you open up your hands and I'll give a blessing. And now may you... May God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. And may you be prompted this week to seek his face and his praise and not the praise of others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.